Okay, I want you to uh, open to Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and those of you that are watching today. And I want to share something that happened. Uh, I, I, I tried to find when I had this vision, but many of you would remember when it was before, I believe, the 2016 election, where I saw something coming at a high rate of speed out of the heavens. And as it was coming fast, I began to recognize that it looked like a foot. And, and, and then I realized it was the foot of the Lord, and it came very, very strong and powerfully. It hit, it hit uh, the earth, and it hit America. And when the Lord's foot hit this nation, I saw the Lord move it very, very violently, harshly, with determination to the left. And when he moved it to the left, he, he moved it and he began to move it where there was tremendous shaking. And, and I could tell, man, something was not good. And then it went over to the right and it began to move and, 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 and shake some things. And then the Lord's foot settled and I saw the other foot come down and I saw that one settle over Israel. And, and God had his foot on America, had his foot over Israel. And that's not saying he doesn't have a foot over your nation. I, I didn't say that, so don't, don't, don't interpret that. This was just this particular vision. And when both of his feet rested like that, I knew that it was something that God was doing that was bigger than all of us. And the word of the Lord came to me, and this is what was said. Who shall stand on the Lord's side? Now, we know that's in Scripture. Who's on the Lord's side? And in other words, there's a test, there's a choice. Where are you going to be concerning what God is doing in the earth? I'm not talking about the left. I'm not talking about the right politically. I'm not even talking about in between. I'm talking about with God's agenda, God's perspective, where are you standing? We saw when the election uh, was stolen in 2020, you say, well, I don't believe it. Well, have you watched 2,000 Mules? Have you, have you done your research? Okay, I'll tell you even one better. I believe God over the news because on August 16th, documented prophecy. We'll pull that out. Anthony, let's pull that out on uh, uh, prophetic pulse. God said the election would be stolen. He said they would delay it. They would steal it. They would have a chaotic plan to steal this nation. And God said, do you think they're going to take this nation from me? That's what the Lord said, August 16th of 2020. So it doesn't matter what the news says. God already told on them. So now we're seeing evidence catch up. And I watched people cave in. For a while there were like, oh, God's really going to bless America. God's really going to bless the church. The Lord really is going to move. And then it just seemed like more and more stuff began to happen. And people began to lose perspective, lose faith, and, and really back off and begin to identify where they stood. And some are not standing on the Lord's side. So what we don't realize is we have been in a test. And we are about, those of you that have stayed true to the test, you are about to be promoted. You are about to be blessed. And it's not too late because we're still in the test, but that test is about to come to an end. It's about to be turn in your paper. So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. I used to hate that because I was always the last one because I never studied. <laughs> so, not because I didn't need to study. I needed to study. I just didn't like school. Anyway, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Right, Mom? I'm sorry, but I did pretty good. I was grade A in lunch. 
<laughs> Especially with the milk. Now, here's the thing. Look at Acts chapter. You all get that? All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. So just right before Pentecost Sunday came, I was seeking the Lord and I said, God, I need to know what are you saying to your church? And the Lord said to me very clearly, Acts 2, 4, and I went over there and he said these words to me. Watch, let's read Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now watch this. And began to speak with other tongues. So how do you know they were filled with the Holy Ghost? Because they began, all of them, to speak in tongues as the Holy Spirit, not the devil, the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. That hasn't changed. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't get a demon. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the question that God asked me. He said, Hank, he said, what would happen if everyone who professed to be a Christian would be filled with the Holy Ghost like them and begin to speak in tongues and, and pray in tongues? What would be the state of that believer? What would be the state of the church? What would be the state of the church if everyone was filled with the Spirit and prayed in tongues? What would be the state of social media? What would be the state of politics? What would be the state of your nation? What would be the state of the earth? Can you imagine how many Christians they say are in the earth if they all just began to shut their mouth and quit fighting and arguing and bickering and begin to go, Man, we'd, have, we'd, have, we'd, have, we'd have a glorious church. And then he said, what do, you, what, what do you think the state of the church would be if they all came together and began to pray in tongues at the same time? Man, we would be releasing things. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Though I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, and I don't have love. I'm a clanging symbol. But there's a principle there. Yeah, it's a principle of love, but there's also a principle of speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, you move men. You move things in the natural. When you speak in tongues, you move angels. You move things in the spirit realm. Can you imagine what would happen if we were all filled with the Holy Ghost? Or those of us would just increase the amount of how much we prayed in tongues. So we've been in a test concerning our tongue. What are we speaking? What are we saying? But also we're in a test. Are we praying in tongues? Are we resisting praying in tongues? And so I want you to see why this is important because we're in a test. You say, well, what is the test? I just told you, but also a test of who will stand. Who can God use to deliver a nation. And it has to do with your tongue and your tongues. One of the things that happened on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they spoke up. We know it also happened as a result of the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised in Acts 1.8 that happened to them in the upper room is it began to spill out. And not only did they speak up, they spoke out and they had tremendous boldness that began to reform everywhere that they went. And so I say that because we've been in a test. Who will stand? Who will stand for God? Where are you standing? What are you standing for? Amen. If you're still caving into the woke culture, if you, pastor, have still not opened your church, you haven't stand. And you're not standing on the Lord's side. If you believe that the news media is telling more truth than what God is revealing and has revealed, you're not standing on the Lord's side. If you think it's still okay to murder a child... You know, I heard one lady say, well, so they said, well, when is it a child? And this, this goofball, misinformed woman yells out, when a baby is born is when it's born. Really? If you cut your finger, is it blood then? 
So, you know, where are you standing on issues? Preachers that won't even talk about the nation behind the pulpit. You're not standing on the Lord's side. Look at Judges 6. In Judges 6, verse 13, watch. I'm going to bring all this and loop it around. Gideon was approached by God because God always looks for a man. I've had people who call uh, me a Christian nationalist, and I agree with my friend Tony Soares, what he said on Flashpoint. He came out of the closet. I guess I am a Christian nationalist. I'm a Christian who loves Jesus. He's my Lord, and I love this nation, and I do not apologize. And I will fight for both. And so God always looks for a man, and the, the mindset that some people have is, well, God just, you know, will obviously work it out. That's what history says. Yeah, but God doesn't do it without a man. God always sought. God always seeks for a man. The problem is he can't find anybody nowadays. He's either got masks on them, believing, you know, you know, Frotchy and all these people. And, 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 and they believe, you know, these uh, watered down preachers that will give you motivational messages. But they won't empower you in the battle that you're facing on a daily basis. So watch what happens. God comes to Gideon and he said to him, now watch Gideon. He, he gives him three things that is the mindset of many people. And it's why we're in a test because God's trying to get you over on his side. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this bad, all this evil happened to us? That's where people are at. And so they pull out their tribulation scriptures, the beast scriptures, the antichrist scriptures, Gog, Magog, and Eggnog. And they, and they try to formulate their end time eschatology. Because all they can see is that bad has happened, so it means God must somehow be void. And yet God was looking for a man to be the answer for all the, the, the bad that befell them. That's the first thing. Oh, there's so much bad. How can anything good? I guess the answer is we're going to get raptured. Wow. What an embarrassment that the church gets pulled out of here on an escape mission because we couldn't have the boldness and we're with to stand in an evil day. Really? That's the Lord of your church? Really? That's the state of the church that you want to represent? Not me. Keep me here. His blood is more precious than your escape mentality. And he deserves his harvest, Jesus does, and he deserves a glorious church. Not a limp-wristed, weak-kneed, coward preachers or Christianity. Notice the next one. Where are all the miracles? In other words, where is the God of the supernatural? I hear people all the day, all the time. Oh, where's God? He's here and we're winning and we're going to win. Number three, their perspective gets jacked up and we're not only all the miracles, but did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now you've forsaken us. Really? He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. I have people that think, oh, well, God's forsaken this nation. America needs to repent. No, you need to repent. I'm not saying America doesn't need to get it right. But you know what I get tired of is people that always demand America repents. And I want to ask them, first of all, what are you expecting? Are you expecting the woke culture to repent? 
Are you expecting the preachers to all repent? Are you expecting the whole body of Christ to repent? What number are you looking for? We've had repentance gatherings. We've had repentance meetings. We've had people that literally called for a national repentance before this stolen election. At what point have we repented? And at what point has God heard? Because we don't believe like Abraham. When God came down to him and said, I'm going to go to a man who can command his family after me. And I am not going to withhold anything from my friend. And he came down to discuss Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham did exactly what people do today who demand repentance and some mystical number. He said, will you save it by 50? He was self-imposing a number and a law, or you could say a tradition, a thought, a perspective. He didn't realize the saddest scripture that I can find in that is the Bible said he let God walk away. If he would have said, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of one man, me, a righteous man, it would have been saved, it would have been all over. Moses, God wanted to wipe out the whole nation of Israel and call it the nation of Moses. But one man didn't say, yep, you're right. They all need to repent. They're all a bunch of evil people. One man stood up for the destiny of his nation. And God saved him. God is looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. He's looking for a preacher. He's looking for a Christian to stand up and speak out, speak up and be bold. That's what he did with Gideon. And he said in verse 14, Gideon, it's by you and, and, and by as one man, you will save a nation. Let's keep reading. Go over to Judges 7. So in Judges 7... God brings this man who didn't think that he was qualified. God even had to say to him, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. And God brings him down, him and 32,000 men, to begin to deliver the nation because the Bidenites were after them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, the Midianites. The Midianites. Did I say the Bidenites? The, the Midianites. Okay, And so you got 32,000 and God says, wait a minute, they're all too much for me to deliver the nation. Here's the answer for all of those that are demanding nationwide repentance. You know how God always, 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 always saved Israel by a few. It was called a remnant. It wasn't the majority. You know how God has brought revival or what we now call reformation like Martin Luther was a reformer? It didn't start with the masses. It started with one man who had a conviction, a doctrinal truth called Martin Luther. And he nailed the thesis to the wall and he stood alone while he was absolutely excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Now look at how many Lutherans there are today. And yet we look at reformers today that are speaking up behind the pulpits of America and we want to crucify them and say, well, they're Christian nationalists. They're too political. No, because you're not on the Lord's side. You don't see fully what God wants to do. He's trying to deliver a nation. And so we can see that God brings them down. 32,000. Here's the deal. 22,000, the majority, I'm paraphrasing it, 
were cowards. They were in fear. They were afraid. I know people today that are afraid to speak out and support traditional marriage. I know people today that is afraid to speak out and say, if you are born biologically and you have the equipment of a woman, you are a woman. You are not a dude. I don't care how much you dress it up, how much you disguise it. I don't care what kind of surgery. If you were born a woman, you ain't a dude. And vice versa, vice versa. But we got people that won't speak up. They're afraid. Oh, we're so afraid. We're going to get taken off of you scared. Who cares? We're going to get censored on Facebook. Who cares? And so we see God said, too many, 22,000 majority were wimps. But then there's a few, 10,000 that were left. And God says to them, Gideon, bring them down. Watch this in verse 4. Bring them down to the what? To the water. We are being tested by the water. You say, what is the water? I'm going to show you in Scripture. Many times God used water to test his nation, his people with water. Now, in this case, he brings them down to the water, and it prophetically speaks of what is one of our tests. God's not looking for those that are going to be wimps. He's not looking for those that are fearful and afraid to deliver America. He's not looking for, watch this, there were 10,000 that came down to the water and 9,700 were wanderers. They just wandered around and here's what they did when they went to the water. They immediately only thought about their own needs, their own livelihood, their own protection, their own well-being, and they stuck their face in the blessing of God, the waters, and took their eye off the enemy. That's where a lot of Christians are. Oh, I can't speak up today. I'm just enjoying the great blessings of God. God never told us to get involved in politics. God never told us to speak out and to, you know, be, 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 you know, bold like that. Really? Paul lost his head over it. Peter got crucified upside down. What's your excuse? They were beaten. Nero, because Christians would speak up, he would put tar on them and put them on fire and use them as human torches at his perverted uh, uh, feasts to the point where he took his 13-year-old slave boy after he killed his first wife and then married his mother. Nero did. Married his mother. Killed her. And then he, he was so out of it, he looked at a 13-year-old boy, Sporus, and literally castrated him, dressed him up in wedding gown, and then uh, consummated, so they say, the, the act right in front of everybody while Christians are burning as human torches. And Paul was so angry at what happened that he began, read Romans chapter 1. He was confronting the Roman government. Don't tell me he didn't put his life on the line politically. He spoke against homosexuality in Romans 1. He told and said, you are taking the truth and you are twisting it in a lie. And Nero demanded a trial. And at one point, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.16, nobody stood with me. I stood alone. 
Peter hears of Paul getting beheaded, decides to go up and confront the Roman Empire, and they arrest him and crucify him upside down. The heroes of our faith put their whole life on the line for the sake of God himself and the sake of their nation. So he brings them down and 300 were chosen. How, why were they chosen? 300, the Bible says, whoever in verse 5 brings their hand into the water and brings it up to their mouth and licks the water like a dog licks water with their, watch, tongues. It was a test of how, when, and if you use your tongue right. What are you speaking over your life? What are you speaking over the gas prices? What are you speaking over the White House? What are you speaking over the future of the White House? What are you speaking over this nation? Are you praying in tongues? Acts 2, 4. So there was a test. Now, does God test? Yeah, we're in a test. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let me go quickly. God does test. Look at what Deuteronomy chapter 8 say. In verse 1 and 2. And all the commandments which I command this day you will observe that you may live. And I will multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord has sworn unto your fathers. Verse 2, here's what God does. He doesn't tempt any man with evil. Some we're talking about. We're talking about a test. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble you. To prove you. And to know what was in your heart. And whether you're going to keep my word or not. So you say, well, that's Old Testament. God doesn't test anybody. Well, really, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10... We'll paraphrase it. Verses 1 through 5 says that they, you know, pass through the sea. We in the New Testament, we pass through the same sea. It says don't, and you read on in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you can read on where it begins in verse 7 uh, about how we're not to commit fornication as they commit fornication. Don't commit idolatry as they committed idolatry. And then Paul wraps it up and he says, listen, all of the things that happened to Israel... All the tests they went through, all the things that they were having to learn, these things were written for you, church, for your warnings and for your examples. So God does test. Now let's talk about how he tests. Look at Mark chapter 6. Notice in Judges 7, he tested them at water, with, with water. One of the specific tests that we are going through right now is this test of water, and it's really the test of what do you do when it's dark and things are contrary against you? Okay, gas prices have been contrary. Mandates have been contrary to us. All the things that they're trying to steal our freedom, shut down our churches is contrary. What do you do when things are dark and it's contrary to what you experience as far as just a good life, a nice sailboat ride through life, right? Look at Mark 6, verse 45. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, said, hey, get in the ship, go to the other side, while he sent them away. And let's keep reading. And when he sent them away, he departed in a mountain and pray. And then we know what happens. Let's keep reading. If they can move the, there you go. And he saw them toiling and rowing. Now, one translation stopped there in John chapter 6 says that they were two to three miles out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And they were literally caught up in, when it was evening, it was dark. Here they've been rowing and, 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 and sweating 
and struggling. Come on, it was harsh. And, and it says that the wind was contrary against them. But notice what Jesus was doing. He was walking on the sea. He was walking towards them. Let's go back to uh, Mark 6. So now they're out in the middle of the, of the, of the thing. It's the fourth night, a fourth uh, watch, okay? And uh, you can see in Mark 6, 48, they're rowing. The wind's contrary. And Jesus comes walking on them. Now watch this. And he intentionally would have passed them by. Think about it. Jesus knows where they're at. He sees them in prayer. He's on the seashore praying. They're out three miles in darkness, a harsh contrary wind. Come on, sounds like what some folks have had. And now Jesus is intending to pass them by. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to see what they're going to do. I'm going to intentionally walk past them. And if they don't call on me, if they don't acknowledge me with their tongues, <laughs> then I'm just going to keep walking. And I'm going to let them struggle. Come on, America. If they want to keep talking bad, get on social media and arguing and fighting, I'm going to let them. I'm just going to keep passing by. They want to sit there and call a guy who did not win the election. And it, it makes me laugh when prophets say that they heard that, that Biden would win the election. Well, you're, you're a wrong prophet. He didn't win. He lost the election. And let me tell you something. I was talking to Mike Lindell this week. He called me on my cell phone and, and, and about something we're going to do. And, and he said something to me. He said, we've got to be careful of election deflection. Talk about Biden falling off a bike. Hey, that's great and wonderful. But what we really need to go is the election was stolen. We have the proof. And you took almost 100 million of us, it, probably more. You took our vote and you're stealing our voice. And the reason we have the harshness on America unfairly is because of what you did to our country through our election. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. So you can close your mouth, but you won't pass the test. He'll walk just right on by you. I am not going to have Jesus walk past my ministry. Because I'm afraid to speak up or I won't tell the truth. I refuse. I'd rather nobody come to this church than for me to lie to you. For me to be a coward. I don't want Jesus to pass by. I want his visitation. Look at the next verse, verse 49. And when he saw, when they saw him walking, they suppose, here's the problem. They suppose that it was a demon. <laughs> they thought it was an evil spirit. And they cried out. That's what people are doing today. They can't see we're in the middle of a visitation of God's glory. Jesus is testing us. And what are you saying? What are you calling what's happening in the earth? I'm calling it end time tribulation. That's because you don't know what else. You don't, you, you don't know what God's really doing. Yes, but all the things line up. Listen, they lined up all the times that Hell Lindsay tried to put everything together for 40 years. And scared the hell out of you when you watched Left Year Behind or whatever it was. And the little razors going on the sink. Zzz, oh my God! 
can't take your kids to the little, you know, carnival that they stamp your hand because you don't want your kid to get the mark of the beast. And so they cried out and notice what happened. You, I don't, you all wanted Dutch sheets. I know you did. I'm so sorry. I'm so for when they saw him, they were troubled. Immediately, he said, be of good cheer. Jesus gets in the boat. Now go to John 6. I want to show you what happens. John 6, once they called on Jesus, watch what happened to their contrary, harsh season of darkness. Tell me things aren't going to change. Tell me things aren't going to change quickly. You heard the prophecy this morning. Tell me things aren't about to turn around. Jesus said in John 6, 20, hey, it's I, don't be afraid, you lunkheads. <laughs> and then they willingly received him in the ship, and notice what happens. Soon as Jesus gets in the ship, immediately what happens? The ship went to the other side. Some translations say supernaturally. Some translations say instead of immediately, he was transported. That was a supernatural act of acceleration, just like Elijah outran the chariots of Ahab. In one moment of getting their mouth right and getting their perspective right in that water test, they were accelerated and their harsh wind, dark season changed that quick. That's where we're heading. All right, God tests by water. I want to just prove this to you. We're in a water test. We're in a water test. How are you using your tongue? What are you speaking about? But here's another one. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse, uh, for, verse 40. You know this story. Jesus in Mark 4 tells the disciples, hey, man, let's go to the other side. And they get in the boat, and all of a sudden there's another contrary wind. It's dark again. And they are so afraid. These are fishermen. They think they are going to die. They, they're like, this is over. And Jesus, of all things, is back at the poop deck or whatever they call it, the back of the deck. And he's got a pillow and he's sleeping and they are really mad. How could this man who claims to be the son of God sleeping and don't they know we are about to die? And once again, they're on the water of testing. Jesus had just taught them the principle of sowing the word. And how you speak. How you believe. Come on, the sowing of the word of your mouth. The words that you speak, are you standing on God's promise? So now they're at a water test, and he's, he's, he's nailing them again. What's coming out of your mouth? What's your perspective? And in verse 40, he rebukes him when he wakes up. He says, come on, where is your faith, America? All you're looking at is the harsh gas prices, the vaccinations, the mandates, the masks, the shutdowns, the clown show. And I'm looking for a people... Who will take my position? I'm not saying fall asleep and shut up. I'm saying you are so withdrawn in your perspective and your position in God that you're just resting in it. You are trusting that you're going to go to the other side, that America will be made great again. That's where I'm at. Oh, I don't like that slogan. Then you don't love America. Or you're really ignorant that America doesn't need to be made great again. Well, that's a Donald Trump thing. I think it's a saying of people who love America. We need to make America great again. 
It ain't great right now. It needs to be great again. I mean, if you want to, be, to trust your health with the Department of Health, with that dude that dressed up looking like, what the heck is that? You're in charge of our health? I mean, that's what, I just, what? I mean, I look at that and I say, that ain't it. That ain't it. That ain't it. Then what's the other dude that dresses up like he's a transgender guy? And who's that guy? Remember him? What's he part of? The department of nothing? Department of transgender? I, 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 I don't know. That ain't it. That, that ain't it. That, I don't think it's it at all. I think it's fake. I don't like it. I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. I don't think I don't like it. I don't think it is. I really don't. I don't think it, we're going to make America great again. Yes, we are. We're going to make it great again. Yes, we are. America's coming back. It's going to be great again. It's going to be great. Oh, so great. It's going to be so great. So terrific. So huge. It's going to be so perfect. It's going to be great. I just did that because I can feel some of you just love the fact that you voted for Biden and, and you just love, you just don't like the fact that I'm saying what I'm saying because you are, you are more into the man you voted for that's failing really bad because he's illegally there. And so I just thought I would just rub it in. Because it's all about to change. All right. Let's go to Exodus 14. Oh, Dutch sheets, you need to come back. Listen, Dutch is very bold, so there you go. Exodus 14. Here's another water test. It's called the Red Sea. Exodus 14, verses 12 through 14. Is it not this word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, Moses, that we may serve the Egyptians? Isn't it amazing how people want to go back to... I've watched people. I mean, they, they would rather, honestly, rather than fight to make America great again... Rather than fight for freedom and liberty, they, they're, they're okay about just giving uh, the nation over to a bunch of uh, rhinos and donkeys and all that donkey pox and rhino pox and all that that's going on right now and the monkey business pox that's going on. And they just rather hand the nation over, hand their life over, hand their children over, right? Get them vaxxed and they don't even know about what they're putting in those little kids' bodies and just let's just do it, let's just do it. You're no different than going back to Egypt. You're in a test. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. You know what they were saying? It would be better for us to be under communism, because that's what they were. To be under socialism and Marxism. Come on, preachers that are cowards. You are saying it would be better to be under Marxism, socialism, and communism than to stand up behind your pulpit and be a man of God and be a man that will stand for the very nation that gives you the freedom to preach this great gospel. We'd rather just go back to the way it was. I sense some of you do not like me. That's okay. I love you. I love you. I just so love you. I love you all. I think you're all beautiful. 
I, I just look, I think you're all beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Is not the world that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, leave us alone. All right, we got that one. Let's go on. Come on, God, help me here. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still. You're going to see the deliverance of the Lord, which he will show you this day. Because the Egyptians, whom you've seen today, the Bidenites, the rhinos, the Fauci-isms and all the other people that are, you know, hail Fauci. Hitler had his hand up. They have one with a mask on it. You shall see them again no more. They're going to try that mask stuff again. And what are you going to do? I'm going to put it on my head and say I'm Jewish. I love the Jews. I'm not making fun of their... Stop, stop, stop. I think I'm going to walk over there right now. <laughs> but the Egyptians you see today, you're not going to see them. There, there, there's, there's coming sometimes, you have to understand, there's coming a shift in the earth. This was a very powerful moment in the earth where that kind of bondage from Pharaoh and the Egyptians were absolutely broken and rendered powerless. God is doing this all over the earth. He is dealing with that Marxist, socialistic, communistic spirit. It's a demon. And he said, I am bringing global freedom. So this is, this is the Red Sea test. It's a test. Do you believe God can deliver a nation even though the power of Pharaoh and socialism seems like it's gaining ground? Look at Joshua chapter 3. Here they go to the river Jordan. Now they go to another water test. What's the water test? Here's what it is for you that are watching and you that might be in this room. And they commanded the people saying, when you see God's glory, the Ark of the Covenant, and you see, you see preachers who are bearing it. In other words, when you find a Holy Ghost preacher and a Holy Ghost church and you experience the glory of God, go after it. But before you do, leave that dead church called Remove Your Place. Quit attending these places where the preacher is a coward. And God doesn't show up except to brew your coffee and give you donuts. Really? That's the state of the church? That's got holes in it. When you see God, and you see God on a man, you see God on a woman, you see God on a church, here's the water test of the Jordan. I am going to do whatever I can, and I'll be an e-campus online sheep. I ain't going back. Because you know what? The angels even said it. When Jesus rose from the dead and they're coming and they've got their spices and they're crying and they come up to the tomb and the angels go, yo. Just like Rocky. Yo. What are you doing? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you still going looking for the living for the glory of God at that dead church, especially the ones that won't open their church still. 
Or they won't, they won't talk about anything political behind the pulpit. And they will tell you to pray for your president. The, the one that stole the election, that carried out something that is so absolutely hideous called treason. Well, I pray all the time for him. The prayers of David. Remove them. Shatter the teeth of the wicked so they don't have any voice. Expose them. Cut off evildoers. Oh, yeah, I pray all the time. I'm making you really nervous. I know I am. But I'm 56. And I stopped caring in May when I turned 56. <laughs> I think I stopped caring a little bit before that. But anyway, I'm just going to mark it at 56, May 10th. I just decided I don't care. Okay. Look at Exodus 15. Look at verse 22. Here's another water. This is called Mara. So here, this one in Exodus 15 is really powerful. Pastor Doug, you might want to hurry up and come because I'm, I'm, I'm just up here, you know. All by myself. <laughs> now he's singing a secular song. I don't even know the song. I just heard that. All right. Let's go to uh, Exodus 15. So, okay. They just had a big, huge celebration party. Try not to play too much because I'll go over into nice zone. And, and so, in Exodus 15, they just got done celebrating, you know, celebrate, come on, good times. Man, he's really doing secular. Cel I'm just really messing with your religious demon because I love to. Celebrate good times, come on. Come on. Dun, 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 come on. Celebrate good times. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the election was stolen. Celebrate good times. It's about to change. Oh, yeah. Come on. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, there's a party going on right here. It's a celebration. I think the Lord is near. We're going to have a good time and watch the gas prices fall too. Won't you have a party too? You know what? Solomon, Eddie, I just got a vision. Kuhneman and the gang. Yeah. Brenda, I'm starting my own band. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. What's wrong with you? I don't know. Jesus said in the last days that the spirit of Elijah would come upon some people. And Elijah, he, 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 he sang celebrate in front of all the people of Jezebel. Anyway, the waters of Mara, basically God brought them down to waters that were bitter, 
because the people were complaining and they were murmuring. And here's what the test of that is. What are you saying? Again, the water test. What are you saying with your mouth? Are you bitter? Are you mad? Right? I, I, I met somebody a while back and he was like, I'm mad. What are you mad about? I'm mad. They didn't know what they're mad about. I know there's so much right now to be mad about that it's like, you're mad. All right, another water test. Let's go to Genesis 6. We're going to wrap this baby up. Did you enjoy yourself? Brenda, the next service, find a video of Dutch Sheets and play it. I'm going to be in the back just kind of eating some donuts. I'm saying that as a compliment to the man. Okay. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Is there great wickedness in the earth? And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. Man, you talk about an evil day. You talk about Noah's day. I mean, it was, it was, it was evil. And God, this is the part that just, I mean, this verse, Lord, can I just say this, Father, when I read this verse, it does something in my heart concerning you where I don't ever want to hurt you. Look at what it says. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. And the Bible says it grieved him in his heart. One translation says it hurt him in his heart. I don't ever want to hurt God. But people didn't care. Didn't care. Didn't care. And so, well, what was God's answer in a, a water test called rain? It was the test of would the people... Like today, the days of Noah, today, the test of their water was, would you believe the prophecy of God and his prophet or prophets when it looks impossible, ridiculous, and you're not sure what the future looks like? Do you believe in the water test that when God said it's going to rain, it's going to change. There's a divine reset coming. I didn't say reset by New World Order. NWO. I'm talking about God's NWO. New World Outpouring. God is going to restore the earth. He's going to renew it. But how did he do it? Come on, go back to Gideon as we're closing. How did he do it with Gideon? He looked for a man. And then he would look for a small group of people in America and around the world who will say, we're going to use our tongue right. We're going to get over in the spirit and pray in tongues. We are going to deliver America. Right? Look at verse 7. I love this. No, actually, verse 8. Verse 8. I'm sorry. Verse 8. Watch verse 8. But, but it was bad. It was dark. But Noah, God found Noah. Come on, God found you. In a day of corruption, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Look at what the Bible says about this preacher, this man Noah. He didn't shy away from the culture. He didn't shy away from confronting them of their evil. The Bible says, and God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, underline what person? The eighth person. 
a preacher of righteousness. A what? A preacher. You mean he within the ministry? His ministry was to be a prophet and an apostle because apostles built and he was to build as an apostle. But as a prophet, he was to continue to declare the most ridiculous prophecy that the earth hadn't even seen. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And so the water test came and everybody flunked but eight people. You on the Lord's side? You caving in? Well, it doesn't look like anything's happening. It's taking so long. You're not on God's timetable. Or you're not on your, you're on God's timetable is what I meant to say. All right, go to Jude 8. Notice Noah was the eighth person. The eighth person what? Well, there's only eight in the boat. Well, then no, you got to read this one. In Jude, uh, I think it's Jude, I don't think it's eight. Is it Jude? Uh, no, that's not it. Jude, where it talks about, I'll find it. And then we're going to, huh? 14, thank you, Mike. Good to have you back. How's your vacation? We love you. You got some sun, man. All right, listen to this. So uh, verse 14, watch this. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam. Now, Enoch was born before who? Noah. And he is the seventh from Adam. Second Peter, this preacher of righteousness who stood up in the day of darkness and evil is called the eighth. The eighth what? The eighth what? It's saying out of all the people from the time of Adam, you can read it in Genesis 5, man. It lists out all these names of people you cannot pronounce. I promise you. I promise you, you can't. You can't. So I just call them Fred, Bob, Steve, Mary, you know, in the New Hank translation. But here, here's the point. There were so many people born from the time of Adam to Enoch. What it was is, out of all these corrupt generations, nobody's standing up politically, nobody's standing up morally, nobody's standing up for God and what his heart had to say about the matter. They didn't care that they were hurting God. They didn't care, they shut up. Generation after generation after generation, person after person after person after person. By the millions, they were born into the earth, but only seven since the day of Adam stood up for God. His name was Enoch. And the only one from Enoch to Noah, Noah being the eighth. Come on, where, where are you numbered? Are you numbered? Come on, you want the fear of God is in me. Listen, they can write their petitions. They can call you false. Who cares? They, they, they can call, you didn't prophesy there'd be a heat wave in March. You didn't prophesy that the stones and statues would fall. And the list goes on and on and on. I'm not trying to give you my resume. All I'm saying is you can call me anything you want. I know I'm numbered among God. And that's all I care about. Because I want to leave a legacy of honor to God for his church and for this country and the nations of the earth. Where are you? 
Are you willing to be like Gideon and stand up and say, Lord, you know what? It's bad out there. Where's your miracles? And all the other stuff he said. Are you going to say, you know what, Lord? Here I am. Here I am, man. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I don't know where I'm numbered among the righteous and those that are standing up for you, God. But in this water test of your spirit right now, I'm going to talk right. And I'm going to pray in tongues. And I'm going to live right. I'm going to live morally. I'm going to live honorably. I'm going to stay out of strife. Right? Stay out of sin. And I'm going to live morally. And I want you to look down of all the people from Adam. And I want you to put your number on me. We are so more concerned about 666 than we are where we're numbered with God. Does it mean anything to you? It does to me. That's what I live for. I live for your heart. Am I hurting your heart? Have I hurt your heart? If I have, I'll get it right. But part of what hurts your heart, God, is when man is silent, silent about evil, about wrong, about things that you said in your word is the moral standard for us to follow in the earth, yet we're silent. Or we comply. His heart. Noah was concerned for God's heart. Second, he didn't compromise. He didn't change definitions, change standards. He didn't say the lie. My kids used to say, well, everybody's doing it, Dad. And I'd tell them with fire in my eyes, you ain't everybody. And their dad isn't a prophet. And I would tell them when I'd be out on a date with Brenda, I'd call him, hey, you just put a hole in the wall. Why is Johnny's head in the wall, Matt, of your bed? What, Dad? Yeah, I just saw the vision. Get his head out of that wall. <laughs> Matthew, is that true? True story. true story. How many times did I call and say, you guys did this? Or I come in and I say, all right, you guys, I saw it. God told me, blunt, blunt, blunt. And they'd be like. <laughs> because what others can do, you ain't. And if you do it, God will tell me. Pastor Doug, please, I have preached so. Can I have my job back next week? Okay. All right, let's go.